It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. Victory Day in Moscow, which commemorates the Soviet Union's victory over Nazi Germany in 1945, takes on a new significance this year as Russia continues to struggle two months into its war with Ukraine. Russian President Vladimir Putin making no declaration of victory, but condemning the West for propping up a threat on Russia's borders. We have always tried to find compromise solutions. We like to have everyone's interest in mind, but this was all in vain. And it shows that uh, other countries had completely different plans. On Tuesday, President Biden will deliver remarks on his plan to combat rising inflation in the U.S. As gas prices soar and the president's approval rating plummets, he took aim last week at Republicans, criticizing their approach to fixing inflation, calling it ultra-maga. For this and more, we bring in our panel. USA Today Washington Bureau Chief Susan Page, Fox News White House Correspondent Peter Ducey, and host of the Ben Dominich podcast, Fox News contributor Ben Dominich. Uh, ben, the the remarks by Putin today, you know, some people were thinking he was going to declare victory, he was going to maybe even declare war officially. Didn't do either of those things, but clearly this is not coming to an end anytime soon. A surprising level of uh, kind of restraint from Vladimir Putin. I was certainly, you know, along with a lot of people expecting him uh, to lean into, you know, perhaps harsher declarations uh, in different d- directions. But uh, in a way, this uh, s- this speech, I think, actually symbolizes in many ways the difficulties that he has at home due to the decisions that have been made to this point regarding Ukraine. Uh, this is a perhaps more fragile situation uh, than we, uh, you know, know in the West. We really, you know, can't assess what's going on internally there for all the obvious reasons. Uh, but the truth is that Russia ran into significant difficulties that it did not expect in Ukraine. This is not going to be over anytime soon. Uh, and with the additional support that Ukraine has received from the West, uh, you have to feel at this moment that that Russia is kind of wavering in the balance, that uh, the next few weeks, I think, will be pretty enlightening uh, as to what approach they believe they need to take in order to achieve some semblance of achievement, uh, perhaps a, f- a face-saving number of moves on their part. Susan, you're on the panel on Fox News Sunday. You heard Senator Lindsey Graham saying he wants to triple down on the support the U.S. is giving Ukraine short of U.S. boots on the ground. There's not too many 
operations around the world where I think Lindsey Graham has said we should stay out of. But um, <laughs> but I, to his point, is is that gaining traction, do you think, with lawmakers on both sides of the aisle? Well, Brett, uh, there is a increasing support for doing more to help Ukraine. That's for sure. And that's on both sides of the aisle. But I think Lindsey Graham is probably at the leading edge of those who think it's possible to say oust Putin, which is something else he said on Fox News Sunday that you were guest hosting uh, this last Sunday. Um, you know, who? It, the, but the, to go back to the, the, the ceremonies in Moscow, who knew that Victory Day in Russia could be a subdued affair? And yet this seemed pretty subdued. They didn't have the aerial display. They said that was because of the weather. And he, Putin didn't do several things that would have created, have the potential to create new problems for us, like uh, declaring it a war or announcing a, a new mobilization to rebuild uh, Russian troops that have been hit so hard uh, in the battles in Ukraine, or raising, as he has before, the suggestion of using weapons of mass destruction. So all in all, it was it was perplexing, but maybe in a maybe in a good way for U.S. policymakers. Yeah, Peter, is the White House weighed in on on Victory Day or Putin? It seems um, there are days where Ukraine drives the day over there, but uh, some days it's not even mentioned. Uh, no, especially uh, lately now that they have the Supreme Court leaked draft opinion to talk about. Um, we expect to hear more in a in a structured way, kind of like the way that uh, the president went back to or, or went down to Alabama last week to show off the U.S. military contractor might with the javelins. Uh, but we do know that White House officials were listening very closely and watching very closely with Putin today because I, they need to know what he's going to do now that the Pentagon is saying we might be sending uh, too many munitions over there uh, if the projections keep up for the next couple months. Uh, and we can't risk having the U.S. stockpile depleted during a peacetime here. And so uh, it's not just the White House. It's the whole big capital G government uh, trying to figure out exactly what today means. All right. We're going to take a quick pause here. We'll be back after this. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. Meantime, you have the fallout uh, from the draft opinion, uh, the leak of the Supreme Court draft opinion uh, overturning Roe v. Wade. You have national uh, anti-abortion uh, pro-choice protests, uh, including in Wisconsin, where a pro-life group's headquarters was vandalized um, with a Molotov cocktail spray paint that if abortions aren't safe, then you aren't either. Uh, plus, you have, Ben, these protests outside justices' homes, conservative justices' homes, that the White House really hasn't weighed in on other than to say that they don't want any violence or vandalism. Look, I think that this is taking on a new character and is not uh, going to be over soon. In fact, I hope that the opinion comes out sooner rather than later, uh, because the longer that we have to wait uh, until we receive it, uh, the more I think the likelihood is that there could be violence engaged in some attempt, uh, a desperate attempt to try to change uh, the outcome. Uh, 
And, you know, frankly, I think that the White House needed to be a lot stronger in its messaging on this from the get-go. They are a White House that ran on returning norms uh, and civility and normalcy to the government. Uh, and to see this kind of thing happen and go by without utter condemnation from the highest levels uh, is really uh, concerning to me. This is unacceptable. And if the if the shoe was on the other foot, if pro-life activists were shouting outside the homes of Elena Kagan, Sotomayor, et cetera, I think that this would be something that would take on a national uh, character of being, you know, of the utmost priority. It's unfortunate that this is happening, uh, and uh, it's unfortunate that this leak happened, and that the damage that is done to the Supreme Court as an institution is something that I think we won't know uh, for quite a while to come. Susan, we've seen a lot of controversial cases at the Supreme Court over the years, the decades. We've seen a lot of protests outside the Supreme Court. We have not seen really individual protests at justices' houses uh, and following them or their families. First of all, of course, you have to say political violence unacceptable by anyone on either side of this issue or other issues. Uh, but I do think these protests are a sign of how much the Supreme Court has just become another part of the U.S. partisan political system, the idea that uh, that the image of the court as being kind of above American politics and being dispassionate and nonpartisan, I think is not an image that most Americans still believe. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, but it's one of the, I think it's, I think it's one of the reasons behind the fact that these decisions are being viewed very much as not just legal decisions, but as political decisions, justices as reflecting the views of the president who appointed them uh, to that lifetime uh, appointment. And, you know, the, the protests that we're seeing now, it seems to me, are nothing compared to the protests that we are likely to see when the decision itself comes down, especially if it does what this draft does, which is roll back a half century of constitutional protections for abortion rights. Yeah. Peter, how are they handling this at the White House? I know you've asked a couple of ways, a couple of different times. Well, they, they're kind of changing their story. Last week, when we first saw this map published before Google took it down for violating the terms, but a, a map published by activists with little markers on all the justices' homes. I asked Jen Psaki many different ways, is this something that you guys are okay with? And she said some uh, different versions of, well, we know the people are upset and there's a lot of passion. Four days later, she finally puts out a tweet where she says, uh, judges perform an incredibly important function. They must be able to do their jobs without concern for personal safety. That was completely missing from the early White House reaction. And so something is happening behind the scenes that we can't see where they are realizing, okay, wait a second. Protests uh, advocating for our side may be good, but this kind of protest, maybe not so good. Yeah. And Ben, how much, I mean, there's a lot of analysis about how much this does or does not move the needle for uh, the midterm elections. You know, this is the thing that uh, is going to be debated until the midterms, really. But from my perspective, the people who are most passionate about this issue were already going to be voters anyway. I think that there's a lot of evidence for that when you look at the polling on it. Uh, and the people who are you know, perhaps going to be motivated uh, on it to come out for Democrats in the midterm, I think we're already going to be voting in that column. 
Uh, ultimately, you know, the Republicans are obviously going to try to make this an election about the economy, about inflation, about general uh, incompetence uh, in the leadership that the Democratic Party has had in monopartisan control in Washington here. Uh, but I think that one of the things that is going to be a challenge for Democrats in making this more of an, an abortion-focused message is this is going to go into the state legislatures, and we are at an unprecedented, uh, really, level. It, is, it has been 30 years since we had this number of states that have trifecta control of government, meaning a, a party that is in control of the governorship, the Senate and the House in the state, which means that this is going to be kind of an internal party discussion of where these states want to end up on abortion should Roe go down. Uh, that makes things you know, a little less hairy in terms of the way that you navigate the subject. And it's going to, I think, uh, really throw a wrench in the challenge uh, for Democrats to make this more about abortion in an affirmative way uh, that helps elevate their candidate. Meantime, Susan, uh, the president is talking more about inflation, what the administration is doing versus possible Republican plans. Um, the bottom line is you can talk all you want if you're a politician about what you can or or might do, but inflation is happening and it's it's happening and continuing to go up from when he said it was going to be at a peak a few months ago. Uh, he said it was a transitory concern. That certainly turned out not to be true. Uh, and he has no bigger political problem than the issue of inflation. And we see reports about uh, shortages of things like baby food or rising prices everyone sees every time they uh, try to fill up their car with gas or when they go out to try to rent a new apartment. Uh, so inflation is definitely something that people are feeling in their in their households. And the fact is, there is there are limits to what policymakers, uh, even a president, can do to affect inflation. And you you know you rely on the Federal Reserve hoping they can tamp down inflation without sparking a recession. Uh, that is a kind of a choose your poison uh, choice there. If a president would be prefer to have this record setting inflation or have the country tip into recession, it is a huge problem uh, for the White House by talking about it. And for a long time. President Biden was not talking about it as much as he is now. He's at least trying to show Americans that he's aware of it and that he's concerned about it and that he's doing what he can. We'll see if that's enough. Last thing, Peter, I, I saw Jen Psaki on with Howie Kurtz, uh, and he asked her about the president being out and about for interviews. She said that he talks to the media almost every day, and we kind of look back, and there are definitely some days where he doesn't. But Howie's point was that the president perhaps is missing an opportunity to control the narrative by not doing something publicly every day or sit down interviews uh, with media organizations. Is that the feeling over there or do they think they have this uh, under control? Well, the feeling over there is that uh, they think that he takes a historic number of questions, kind of like uh, Jen was talking about. But the problem is, Okay, yes, Joe Biden does take a lot of straight questions, but you have to have an event in the first place for that to happen. And there are weeks where we only see him once or twice at, at all at events where the press is allowed in. And so I, I do, just from being over at the White House, I do have a sense that things might be changing. The comm strategy might be changing a little bit now that Kareem Jean-Pierre is taking over the top job and Anita Dunn is back uh again at the at the biden white house um does that mean more formal press conferences maybe not remember uh, they announced 
at the beginning of this year, a change in strategy. And then the president came out and did a two hour long Q and A. And then uh, if my memory serves, that was his last one state side. Yeah. Uh, I think some of those aides were hoping for an hour 15, but um, they were hoping in for like 45 and, and out and a lid. Uh, but so we'll see. Uh, there, there's got to be something uh, because it's not just one network that is getting shut out from like an interview. Nobody's getting an interview. Nobody's participating in a press conference. And so I think things could change soon, though. We will watch it. And you're right. Anita Dunn is a recurring figure in Democratic administrations. Uh, maybe that changes. Thank you so much, panel. A little history. May 9th, 1914, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed the second Monday of every May to be Mother's Day. Wilson said the day would serve as a public expression of love and reverence for the mothers of our country. Much of the credit for that goes to Anna Jarvis, who began a campaign to establish a national Mother's Day in 1907 as a way to honor the sacrifices mothers made for their children. There you go. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Susan, Ben, and Peter, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.